You're listening to Richard Ellis Talks with Richard Ellis. Richard's style is very unique, where he shares the message of the gospel unlike anyone else. It's real, refreshing, focused, and fun. Whether you find yourself in a good place, maybe in a difficult place, or possibly even in a very lonely place, let me encourage you that you've come to the right place. Now, if you're not able to stick around with us for all of today's talk, you can always listen to, download, and even share this entire message with a friend right from our website, richardellistalks.com. So, with today's talk, here's Richard Ellis. The title of today's message is Fish and Pole. All right, turn to Genesis chapter 3. Every once in a while, I'll end up back in Genesis because it all starts there and it all gets screwed up there. And a lot of our problems come out of these first two chapters of the Bible. Well, let me just go over Genesis chapter 3 and look at verse 1. God's made everything, and the devil himself shows up, but in the serpent here it says, verse 1, now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, has God indeed said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die, for God knows in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be open, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So you go on and read the story, she bites. She not only bites, the serpent coming along takes his bait. But then she actually consumes this fruit. And I said to somebody this week, how can one piece of fruit cause so much trouble on the planet? One simple act. You say, well, my little sin, all I did was this. Everything gets messed up because one person got deceived by the enemy and did one thing, and that is the first domino that has just collided into all of our lives. And our lives are the summation of our decisions that we make along the way. We get to a piece of fruit, and God says, you can have everything on the planet, but you can't have this one. And we say, well, I want the one I can't have. And he says, there are going to be consequences, and I don't believe that. You're trying to keep something from me. There must be something here, a hidden treasure here, because you wouldn't tell me no. He says, look, I'm telling you, just trust me, don't go there. The devil does have some great game up front. You know, sex is a pretty big deal because there's some enjoyment with that. In the right context, it's wonderful. Outside of that, it is disastrous. And you get out of bounds and there's consequences. And I think if I said show of hands on everybody here who said been there, done that, don't go down that path, we'd get plenty of response there. So this serpent shows up, just deceives them. It's been going on since then. And they bite. Now jump over to Numbers 21. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers. Keep going. Numbers 21. Now I'm not going to give you all the context here, but God has a tendency to pick complainers. And there's a good chance that if you're a Christian, there's a good probability that you are a piece of work just like me and you complain a lot. And it's not good enough. He saved your sorry soul. And you got a place in heaven, promised abundant life, and we are still, what's well, not enough? I want more. Spoiled brat, little Christian kids, you know, we are those children, and we just, it's not enough. And God blesses us, and we go, well, I didn't want that color. <laughs> you know? Well, I provided you a car. Well, I didn't want that kind. And like, we're entitled, and we get after our kids for living this way. Imagine how God feels. So God picks these people. He says, you are my people, and I made deals in the past, covenants, and I keep my word, whether you keep yours or not. So he gets Israel out of Egypt. 
they complain, the consequence of that comes on them, the lack of faith, they can't go into the promised land, so they're wandering out in this wilderness. And in the context of that, Numbers 21, and look at verse 1. The king of Arad, the Canaanite, who dwelt in the south, heard that Israel was coming on the road from Atharim. Then he fought against Israel and took some of them prisoners. So Israel made a vow to the Lord and said, if you will indeed deliver this people into my hand, then I will utterly destroy their cities. And the Lord listened to the voice of Israel and delivered up the Canaanites, and they utterly destroyed them and their cities. So the name of that place was called Hormah. Then they journeyed from Mount Hor by the way of the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom. And the soul of the people became very discouraged on the way. You ever feel this way? Now remember that phrase, because you say, well, there's nothing wrong with that. That's just human nature. The soul of the people became very discouraged on the way. And that's what happens to us. And when you get in that frame of mind, you either keep going down that road and the consequence of that, or you say, and we'll see what those were, or you say, God, I'm getting discouraged. We got to spend some time. I got to talk to you, but more than that, you got to talk to me, God. You got to talk me off this ledge. You got to help me get through this because the pressure is getting great. And I have conversation after conversation, my own struggles. Everybody listening to me today is a user. Every one of us uses. It's either drugs, sex, alcohol, money, power. Everybody listening has a way to get that little jolt, to get that high, to get that hit. We all have ways we get high. The reason we get high is that we get discouraged along the way. And instead of going to God and getting the ultimate high, we go, man, I just, I need some kind of release. I need some kind of break here, God. I got to take care of me. So we sneak off and, you know, for some people it's off to have an affair. For other people, it's just a, I'm just going to take a sip, Lord, just to calm me down, medicate. And then other people go to doctors and get prescription medicine and then it's all legal but it's still somehow trying to get high and get it all back in balance. It's not going to work. I'm not saying medicine doesn't work in some cases, but ultimately, if you don't get hooked up with Jesus and stay hooked up with him, you're just going to be riding this wave, trying to get another hit, another hit. You know, just junkies, kind of Christian junkies spiritually that can't make the thing work. So here these people are. They've just had a tremendous victory. God comes through for them. The soul of the people became very discouraged on the way, and the people, and this is what they chose to do, the people spoke against God and against Moses. And this is what they said, why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no food and no water, and our soul loathes this worthless bread. They had food literally falling out of the sky, God taking care of them, but they got tired of the same old mundane taste. We got no food, we got no water, and this manna, we're sick of this manna. We don't like our situation. We've had enough of you, God, and we've had enough of this Moses guy. We don't like our leaders, God and Moses, in the same pile. So look what God does. One minute they're making vows, if you'll, you know, deliver us, all this will happen, God comes through. Now they come back. The same God that gave them the power to overcome those in the battle Verse 6, just like that, look what he does. So the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people, and many of the people of Israel died. Now, this is the kind of God you're dealing with. They're out in the wilderness, and I think up to that point, wherever those snakes were, unless he just whips them out, either those snakes were or they weren't. 
But God says, you know what? Call the snakes. I need some snakes up in here. That's not exactly how he said it, but. (laughs) You know, you want to mess with God? God's got game. You want to complain? You want to get up in his face? You say, oh, but he's merciful in grace, and I'm comfortable talking to him that way. I'm okay with an occasional outburst and saying, God, you know, woe is me, and, you know, some woe on you or whatever. God gets that. But this constant, I'm discouraged, and, you know, do something for me. I'm tired of this situation. I'm tired of this man. I'm tired of this woman. I'm tired of these kids. I'm tired of being broke. I'm tired of sleeping under the bridge. I'm tired. And then we go at him in a whole different way, not trying to share our hearts, but literally just complaining against him and leadership, whatever's going on in your situation. So God calls up some snakes, says, you know what? I got power to deliver you in a battle, but I've also got power to discipline you. Now here's kind of semi-parenthetically what I want you to take a second and think about. What kind of snakes are attacking you that you authorized? What have you done to just tick God off where he says, you know what? I think this would be a good situation for my snakes. And I'm just going to cut some snakes loose on you people. He said, well, God wouldn't do that to me. Let me tell you something. God is God. And he doesn't mess around. He doesn't wake up, you know, hungover. Say, well, I'm going to just mess with some people today. Let's go to North America. Let's go after those people in Texas. He is surgical. It's very specific individual people, individual groups of people. So you may have heat on you that has nothing to do with anything but that you brought it on yourself. And there's a need to repent. And you say, well, I am not wrong. Well, then you are going to be right in a lot of pain. So look what unfolds. The Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people, and many of the people of Israel died. Therefore, the people came to Moses, the guy they were complaining about earlier, and they said, we have sinned. They knew what had happened. They knew why the snakes had shown up. We've sinned. For we have spoken against the Lord and against you. Pray to the Lord that he take away the serpents from us. Can you please get rid of the snakes? Now, what kind of God is this? You know that he sent the snakes, and then you think he has the power to remove the snakes. Think about that. They knew where they came from, and they knew that if God could turn the snakes on, he could turn the snakes off. Do you believe God can stop your mess? He said, well, I got myself into this mess. This God is dying, and literally Jesus died, to offer mercy. When he hears cries of repentance, he mobilizes heaven itself to come in on your behalf. But he cannot tolerate the sin and just let it go on like no big deal. So they show up. We have sinned. We have spoken against the Lord against you. Pray the Lord that he take the serpents from us. So Moses prayed for the people. Then the Lord said to Moses, now look at this crazy, crazy story. Make a fiery serpent and set it on a pole, and it shall be that everyone who is bitten when he looks at it shall live. So Moses made a bronze serpent, and he put it on a pole, and so it was, if a serpent had bitten anyone, when he looked at the bronze serpent, he lived. Now, the interesting thing here is God, it doesn't say he took the snakes away. He gave them a way to survive the snakes. So Moses makes a brass snake, which they hate the snakes in the first place. 
the whole thing got messed up by a snake. So you go to Genesis, you got a serpent. And now God's using serpents. And now Moses is told to use a serpent as the means of saving them. Now, if you have been bitten by a venomous snake and you know you're going to die because everybody else has been dying around you, and the order is find the pole with the snake on it and look at the pole with the snake on it and you won't die of your snake bite. You know what that takes? It takes a whole lot of faith. And getting over it, well, I don't believe that and I don't think that can happen. And I refuse. If the pole is behind me, I've been bit by a snake and the rules and instructions are, if you get bit, all you've got to do is find the pole and look in faith to the snake on the pole and you're all good. I ain't doing that. That's the dumbest thing I ever heard in my life. And God asks people to do simple things and we say, that's foolish. And he says, well, do it your way. How's that working out for you? You fix it. You've been bit by this snake that I sent. Now what are you going to do? I got your salvation right there, that bronze snake on a pole. Just look at that and I'll take care of it just like that. I ain't looking at no snake. Go to John chapter 3. John chapter 3. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night, two chicken to come during the day or whatever his motivation was, comes to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know, in other words, we Pharisees, we know that you're a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. So we know that. Jesus answered and said to him, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Very painful thing to try. Well, Nicodemus here is just thinking physically. And I've shared this through the years. The only way you experience this world, the physical world here, is to be born into this world. That's how you get here, and that's even how Jesus got here. He was born of a woman, so he's in a physical world. Jesus is just saying, you've been born in the physical world, and you see the physical world. If you want to see the spiritual world, the kingdom of God, you are going to have to be born into that world. That's where this second birth thing comes in. Being born once is not going to do you much good. It gets you started, and it's a great thing to get a physical life. But if you don't put that second birth in there, you will never see what's really going on in this life and in the next life. So keep reading with me. How can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter a second time to his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Now some people hijack this and say, oh, he's talking about baptism. He's not talking about baptism. He's just talking. What happens when a baby is born? Water breaks. You know, when that water breaks, a baby is coming, that's a sign someone's about to be born. Unless you're born of water and the Spirit. And until the Spirit breaks in your life, and that second birth occurs, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. So Nicodemus, don't be surprised. I'm just saying being born once is good, but second time is the only way you're going to see what's really going on and end up in heaven. Then he says, the wind blows where it wishes. You hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. You don't know when it's going to happen. You don't know what's the wind just shows up. I remember a little kid saying his understanding of the wind was when the trees move, the wind blows. 
That's what it looked like. Oh, look, Mom, the tree's moving. That's what's making the wind blow. And it's the other way around. The wind just shows up and it'll blow through a place and blow through a life. So there may be somebody, whether you're in this room or listening in a car, wherever you are, a little breeze might have just blown through your car, through your little heart right here in your house, wherever you may be. You say, well, how did that just happen? I know what you're talking about. That is the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit of God Himself. He is a person, and He may be coming after you and trying to draw you to Himself and get you to see what's really going on and what you need. So he says, the wind blows where it wishes. You hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from or where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus answered and said to him, how can these things be? I don't understand. Jesus answered and said to him, are you the teacher of Israel and do not know these things? You're the one that's supposed to know these things, Nicodemus. Most assuredly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and testify what we have seen, and you do not receive our witness. I'm telling you what I know and what I've seen, and you still don't believe me. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended to heaven, but he who came down from heaven, that is the son of man who is in heaven. Now look at verse 14. Now remember the context. He's having this conversation with Nicodemus. And he says, if I tell you earthly things, you don't believe. If I tell you spiritually things, you're not going to believe either. And boom, he jumps in here in verse 14. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believes in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. Now, this is how simple this is. I got bit by a snake. Eve got bit by a snake, basically. The people of Israel in the wilderness got bit by snakes. And God said, put a pole put a brass snake on the pole, just tell them when they get bit, look at the pole and they'll be saved. And Jesus says to Nicodemus, here's the deal. In the same way that a snake was put on a pole, look at this. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the son of man be lifted up that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. So now you don't have a snake on a pole, you got Jesus on a pole. And this is how simple it is. You say, well, I kind of get what you're saying. I feel like I've been bit, I've been had, and I'm dying, if not dead already. I know something's wrong. And you're telling me that if I just simply look towards some pole with some man hanging on it, that my whole life will be changed. And that's exactly what I'm telling you. And you say, well, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard of. You know what? If God tells you how to survive the snake bite and you refuse to do that, that's on you. That is not on God. You say, well, you're too hardcore. If you want to get bit by a snake and be so hard-headed and bullheaded and whatever, I got other words I can't use anymore here, but I'm trying to find new words. So foolish. as And God say, all you got to do is look to my son on a pole and I'll save your sorry soul. And you say, well, I can't do that. Then you will end up in hell and you say that you shouldn't tell people that. That is a fact. Or you just turn and look and be saved. I basically have given my life 
to trying to get people to look at a man on a pole and be saved. And there are plenty of people who say, not going to do it. It's not sophisticated. It's not fancy. Doesn't make any sense. It's foolishness. And I say, look, you're going to die. As sure as I'm telling you this, you're going to die and there are consequences. All you got to do is look. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. And then out of those verses come this verse, which a lot of people have heard in their life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes, turns and looks, whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. It's not just about physically surviving a snake bite and living on the planet. This is about an eternity, separated or not from God. And all you had to do was in faith, turn and look and say, it's Jesus. It's not Buddha. It's not Muhammad. It's not anybody else. I got one man on one pole and that's it. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten son of God. And this is the condemnation that the light has come into the world and men loved darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. But he who does the truth comes to the light, that his deeds may be clearly seen, that they have been done in God. Now let me tell you what is so amazing about this, and why I started out earlier in the service today. Anybody listening to me today can read these two passages and do exactly what I just did. Anybody. You say, well, I'm afraid. You know what you're afraid of? You're afraid of being personally rejected. They're not getting saved by you, so don't worry about that. You say, well, they won't like me. I'd rather somebody not like me and be at least introduced to the poll than be nice and curse me forever because I didn't bother to help them. If I'm out in the wilderness like everybody is and I get bit by a snake and I see somebody else get bit by a snake, I said, hey, dude, you know there's a cure for that. Really? Yeah, all these other people are dying. But if you want out of that deal, here's what you do. See that pole? That pole over there with the brass snake on it? Look at that deal. It's all good. Really? That's ah, crazy, man. I'm just telling you. That's what happened to me. I got bit. Looked at the pole. I'm all good. Here I am. I don't believe that. Well, I'm just saying. Down somewhere down the road, you get tired of getting bit. Find a pole. Not a loophole. The pole. <laughs> We'll get back to Richard in a moment to close out today's talk. But first, I want to share something about our program. Our mission is actually very simple, to take the planet. So it's our prayer that these daily talks from Richard aren't something you only hear and enjoy, but that they inspire you to share with others. Together, we can do this. The message of the gospel is something everyone needs to hear, and that's why it's such a priority to us. So join us in this important mission. Call us at 855-6-RICHARD to say you're in. Or you can get on board with us through our website, richardellistalks.com. Well, here's Richard with some closing thoughts for us. In Matthew chapter 4, verse 17, from that time Jesus began to preach and to say, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now, where do we start in numbers? They had to repent. 
we have sinned. You have to admit you're wrong. Jesus can't help you much if you're not wrong when you're wrong. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, which is really basically just a big lake, but they call it the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Then he said to them, this is my verse on evangelism, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. You want to end up seeing people come to Christ and the world change through your life? You're going to have to follow Jesus. And if you keep reading in the scriptures when he says, follow me, that it turns into deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. Now that cross that he takes up represents pain and suffering, but I'm going to give you some a little bit different way to look at it. If he's going to teach you to be a fisher of men, you're going to need you a fishing pole. And I got me a fishing pole with Jesus on it. You say, well, how are you going to catch anybody with Jesus on a pole? I'm going to stand it up and say, you know what? I'm just the messenger. Look unto Jesus and be saved. I got me a cross for a fishing pole. Thanks for listening today to Richard Ellis Talks. We're confident that the program blessed you, and we want to hear about it. One way is to give us a call and let us know. The number is 855-6-RICHARD. Another way is to drop us an email. Jump on over to our website, richardellistalks.com, and click on the Connect tab at the top. We'd love to hear from you. And while you're there at the website, there's a ton of great stuff there just for you. Things like all of the talk from Richard, a prayer wall where you can leave your prayer request, and a whole lot more. Check it out, richardellistalks.com. Finally, we love doing this program for you, but we're so grateful when you hop on board to help us with the cost. Call us at 855-6-RICHARD, or you can contribute through the website. It's easy and much appreciated. 855-6-RICHARD or richardellistalks.com. Until next time, God bless you, and thanks for listening to Richard Ellis Talks.